You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome, everybody. It isn't time for another edition of the Unofficial 40 here, the official podcast for Soonerscoop.com. And we're joined once again by the entire gang. Thank you, computer, for uh, ruining the start of the show. Uh, Carrie Murdoch here with you. Josh McQuistian is in his studio. Uh, in our studio, we've got Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall. And uh, fellas, welcome. We'll start with you. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, guys. You know, as our audio issues continue, I love that I just get to dive into Kerry Murdoch. Like it's stale there for a minute. And then I get to hear the intro. The, uh, Josh is really trying to set this thing off on the rails. Cause he knows how <laughs> pissed I am about audio <laughs> issues right now. <laughs> Josh, uh, does not do well with technology. I would say he's the worst of all of us. And we can't figure out how him for, we cannot hear, he cannot hear the board, so like we have all these audio files that I've spent 30 minutes cutting up, and he won't be able to hear any of them, but we'll make him... T- that, his punishment for sucking at technology will be to guess what we just played. It's even more incentive to listen it'll back. Be like, it'll be like the Russian roulette of quotes. I think that would be really awesome. Even more incentive for him to listen back to the show. Young Eddie Radosevich is here in full Cubs uniform. Big night. The pants were a little much. The what? The, the the baseball pants were a little much. You didn't <laughs> well, need to wear those. I was going to wear stirrups, and I just left them at home. <laughs> That's not even like official Cubs. Is that like a batting warm-up uniform kind of thing? I don't know what this is. I mean, it has it's my name on it. Dark I mean, it's dark blue. Are you? Let me turn it's, around. It's, let me see. Look at this. It's stitched. Holy crap. Radosevich, 55. Oh, hold on. You, you, need to, you need to have a big voice guy when you come in the room wearing that. Eddie Radosevich. I wore it last night, so I just threw it on today, just and like, hopefully it... You're just like one of the guys that dresses up full Bob Stoops yeah, for the game. I, I really am. And their Nike sideline polo and their khakis. If I had a... If, oh, lineup just came out. All right, here we go. Uh, tonight, game five, right? No, I think game four. Uh, five. It's 2-2. Two, two. Pivotal. Wait a minute, it's 2-2. Two, two. They were yeah. down 1-2 one, two before two, one. last night? Yeah. I didn't realize, man... This week has sucked. Well, they they lost or they won Saturday, lost Sunday, okay, and they then, got beat by Kershaw, mm-hmm. and then they won last night with their loser pitcher. Yep, Jason Hayward's still in the lineup tonight. That's not good. Have fun with that. Uh, so, how are you holding up, Mister Radosevich? Good. Now, after he scored ten runs, it, it was a lot better, but uh, obviously a, a must win tonight. Rizzo stopped sucking for a little bit. Yeah, he has. He borrowed uh, Matt Caesar's bat, so hopefully. Hopefully that has some more hits in it tonight. God, you Cubs love your 
weird little stories, don't you? Well, it's a it's a storyline. It, Whether I mean, it's attacking a, a innocent man and Steve Bartman, or it'll have a chapter in the someone's book. bat like like the natural. It'll have a chapter in the book. In the book that you're writing, about not the not Cubs? the one that I write, but the one that somebody eventually writes. You know, the scariest thing about Cubs baseball is that Harry Carey statue with all the dead children coming out of his feet. You know, what I'm talking about the one like in Wrigley at the stadium. Yeah. It has all these. It has. It has like the souls of dead children, like screaming to get away from him. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I've ever Go noticed Google that. that up. Go. It's really creepy. All right, Joe Duvall is here. Uh, I feel like that we need to have like some kind of a, a stats montage, maybe like a jingle for you. You have any good stats for us today, Joe Duvall? Do I have any good stats for you? With your Norman North shirt on that you're wearing? <clears throat> oh, yeah, I'm supporting the guys. They're 6-0. and oh. Yeah, that is creepy. Uh, I don't know. A stat, I'll, I'll just use the one I used in my 10 thoughts, which I thought was good, to show how good D.D. Westbrook's played uh, in the stretch. He's had three straight games of at least 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns. That's never been done before by any other Oklahoma receiver. In fact, Ryan Broyles, OU's top receiver of all time, never had 120 yards three games in a row. Sterling Shepard never had 110 yards three games in a row, and neither of them had two touchdowns three games in a row. So shows you what kind of stretch D.D. Westbrook's been on. And there's your stat, Kerry Murdoch. Do you have an erection right now? It's a birthday stat. Uh, yes, a happy birthday, by the way, uh, Joe Duvall. Thank you very much. The big 2-8. I made it through the 27s. You're 28? Yes, sir. God, I thought we were getting a young man to do this job. Youngins. I didn't know we were getting That a... doesn't make me feel as old. How old are you? 29. Golly, you're like Brandon Whedon. You're like the Brandon Whedon of Sooner Scoop. <laughs> yes, sir. I went. You to, got into this thing late. In, instead of starting out with uh, baseball, I started out with uh, political science. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a Kissinger book around here somewhere that might interest you. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so Not a lot of people are going to get that. Um, you don't think that people understand? I think oh, it's I right know. there. I think it, Eddie. I think it's on the the bottom. Not people the corner that there. weren't alive for the Nixon this years. One? Yeah, see if that's my Kissinger book. Well, I have a lot of books. Let's just here. ask Eddie. Does Eddie know who Henry Kissinger is? No, it's not. Yeah, oh, it yeah, it is. It's Diplomacy by Henry Kissinger. Have you read that book? I have not read that book. I would love to read that book. You, you should read that book. Right now, I think I'm on uh, Team Arrivals. Is the all eight hundred pages of it? Kissinger was the dude, man. Smart guy. He he's smarter than both the candidates we have now. Yeah. Com there's, there's no doubt about that. Complicated <laughs> he was, fellow. He wasn't born here, so he's screwed. Uh, any, okay. Any any thoughts quickly on the debates last night that are non political in in opinion? Hilarious. That won't piss off people. We're all going down. Hilarious. Can't wait for SNL. I I just think my favorite thing. Uh, You're ever. nasty woman, Eddie. The, my favorite thing ever is when, like, you make any type of political comment on Twitter. Yeah. Just the crazy people that come after you, I find, whether it be it on the left or right. I find you just have to make equal fun of both of them <laughs> to just keep your cred. Like, I got into the radio show this morning. It's like, you know, it's 5 o'clock, and Spinozzi's coming down the hall, and he's like, she killed him. There's no way anyone can see anything other than that. And I said, I guarantee you, when I go and sit down on my Twitter... There's going to be at least 10 people from the time I went to bed to the time I got here that are yelling at me because Hillary you know, totally got destroyed in that debate. So it's, it's stupid. I mean, the, the whole thing about politics is stupid. And I know I took a lot of political science, Joe, as a history major, that, that it's no one's going to change their mind no matter what happens. They, they've already everybody's already. Does, there are no undecided voters. 
There's either Trump, and I would say the Trump voters are just as much anti-Hillary, and the Hillary voters are just as much anti-Trump. Yeah, it's 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 not not about (laughs) that you like either of the candidates, it's that you hate the other one worse. Well, it's exactly They're rooting for their team. It's sports, you know? People have already chosen what side they want to be on. They're rooting for their guys. I I just want people to know, no matter what we say about politics if you get upset about it we really don't care <laughs> i mean other than i don't want to have a, a lot higher taxes that's really my own I'm a, I'm a selfish bastard that's all it really comes down to for me i could talk about it and i do care but i don't care enough to go ahead and alienate people so you can just assume i'm 50 50 on everything right down the middle so let's get to something that people have tuned in to listen about <laughs> there you go uh recruiting since uh josh is here with us joe is here eddie what is our latest in recruiting, fellas? Joe or Josh, let's start with you. Well, I guess I'm t- I'd have to sit here and think this has been such a quiet week. Um, really, I guess it would be probably just Oklahoma starting to extend some more offers. I think maybe the most interesting one is uh, Donovan Jeter, the uh, Rivals 250 defensive lineman from Pennsylvania. And I think, again, it kind of goes into what we've talked about before with how um, – Oklahoma is so much quicker to react than they were in the past. With with this Jeter offer, within about 30 minutes of him announcing his decommitment from Notre Dame, he tweeted out that he picked up an offer from Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma, you know, they don't have any relationship with that kid. There was nothing there, but I think it was just an aspect of, well, what's this going to hurt to give it a try? And if he if he visited Oklahoma sometime down the road, that wouldn't shock me. So we'll kind of see what happens. But I thought that was pretty interesting and kind of indicative of Oklahoma. Still, kind of rattling uh, all, all the bushes they can find. Yeah, you know, we're we're banging those buttons all the time. So, Josh, the defensive lineman. What's your opinion? I know you wrote an article last week on where OU's going to go from here, but I mean, they have no defensive lineman in this class. They brought in Amani Bledsoe last year. You have Wilson and Rogers on the board. They just made this offer. What do you think their plan is? What do you think they're thinking heading forward? Where are they going to put their resources? Well, I, I think clearly, you know. Like I said with Jeter, I mean that's people. People get too excited about that. Oh, is is this going to happen? The odds of that coming to fruition are small. So you do you have to kind of go back to the guys that have those long term relationships, places that Oklahoma knows. And you know, I know what you meant with the question, but I don't want anybody to get confused. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas is a defensive line commitment, but I I know you mean more of like the interior that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, With with that, I, I think it's pretty clear they're still very zeroed in on Marvin Wilson and Greg Rogers, and I think. In the case of Rodgers, Oklahoma is probably at worst a coin flip right now. There, there was some very strong indications that he gave, some people around himself gave, that Oklahoma was in really good shape. Even uh, you know the week following his visit, it wasn't just a campus high situation. So I think there's a lot of reason for belief there. And I think with Wilson, again, you know, we talk about this week in and week out. There's no option that clearly makes a lot of sense for him. I, you know, people will s- talk about Texas A&M, but he's never had that great of a relationship there. I never got the feeling that he was that serious about A&M. So I, I don't know that that's as obvious as people think it is. Texas is probably going to have a new head coach. LSU is obviously going to have a new head coach. So you just kind of go down the list, and I think Ohio State's too far away. There, there are just a lot of things that Marvin Wilson should not be written off the way he has been, but we've we've covered that base. So I think those are the two that you're really going to look at. And then I'm kind of interested, if those don't work out, does Oklahoma start to look into the junior college ranks? You know, I, I think what's interesting about 
firing coaches midseason like LSU has done, and, and you talk about a guy like Marvin Wilson and, and what Texas is going to do, would, would they get rid of Charlie Strong early? I almost, I, I mean, we all know Texas doesn't really have a, a, a natural candidate to take over down there on an interim basis. I would think maybe the best thing for Texas in recruiting their state and a guy like Marvin Wilson is just to let Charlie Strong continue to be the coach so he can keep that tied. Because if you fire him, what's really the motivation of Texas to really stay in contact with, with kids other than, you know, living up to the terms of their contract and feeling good about getting a paycheck? I mean, they're not really going to have their heart and soul in trying to land a kid. It's kind of awkward, too. Just think about you know what we were talking about last week on the podcast, and Texas is 60th right now in recruiting. If they let Charlie Strong go during the middle of the season, where does that, where does that class end up? I mean, it doesn't... You're basically going to... When you, when you, I mean, unless you can hire a coach as soon as the season is over, and if that coach is Tom Herman, then, yeah, you have no worries. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say, right? I mean, if, if, you're gonna, if that guy is Herman, that's who you want to target... Houston losing to Navy is huge because they're not going to be in the college football playoff now. And, I mean, they might not have been before, but now you really don't have to worry about it. When their regular season ends, Herman would be more comfortable leaving to go to Texas and leaving somebody else to coach Houston in the bowl game. So, I mean, maybe you're, you're right. You hold on to Strong till the end of the year, and then when the season's over, that's when you make your switch. Yeah, it would be an interesting hypothetical, but I wonder what LSU's chances with Marvin Wilson would be if, if the report or the rumor this week was true that Charlie Strong would be, if uh, if they got rid of him, that he would be at top of the list in uh, Baton Rouge as a head coach candidate. That would be very interesting to see if uh, that's that's something that develops in January uh, and maybe into February. So they can continue to not play offense in Baton Rouge. Well, very uh, true. I I don't you know there's stuff trickling out there about you know Ed Orgeron could be a legitimate candidate, and I don't know if that's just because he's so media friendly. That he, he, you know, he's probably working that angle. Even Bruce Feldman wrote a book that, you know, he allowed him to come in there. And I'm not saying that Bruce Feldman would push a rumor just to push it for, you know, the sake of, of being a, a friend to a guy. But I just think there's got to be a lot of people in the media that are like, yeah, he should be the guy. He should be a kid because I'm sure people like working with Ed Orgeron in the media. <laughs> he's you know, a great soundbite. He's one of those to, people to that everybody likes. No, no. Sorry, guys. To, to tie in something you two were uh, Eddie and Joe were both talking about with you know what that could mean for LSU if it was Charlie Strong and kind of um, Tom Herman in Texas, I heard something interesting that I hadn't really thought about and it makes a ton of sense because you know you keep hearing about Houston involved with guys like Marvin and you know Akuda and some of these other guys that they're still trying to have conversations with and still talking with and you're kind of like well, what are you wasting your time here for? Is there a real question of yeah, we're kind of recruiting for Houston, but we're also recruiting for the next job that probably half that staff is going to get. Like that that's something that doesn't get talked about in recruiting enough. Like are they building relationships so that in December when they're in another city, they can say, "Hey man, you know, we we have this bond. We're not having to learn each other now. We already know each other and now I'm at a school that you can take seriously." Well, here's here's something that hasn't been talked about, but you guys remember there was all this talk last year that Herman was going into people's homes and telling them, Houston is going to the Big 12. We're going to be in the Big 12. And trying to sell recruits on the fact that if you come here, by the time you leave, you're going to be in a Power 5 conference. Well, that's dead now. So, I mean, how much does that hurt? Tom Herman can't lie to kids now. He can't go in there and tell them. He can't go to Marvin Wilson. He can't go to Jeff Okuda and say, 
hey, we're definitely going to be in the Big 12. No, the Big 12 killed expansion. So if I'm, if I'm those kids, I'm probably not even really interested in Houston right now. How could you be? I, well, guys, you it's stupid. It's what you guys talked about last week with Oregon pitching Jacob Phillips on, OU has too many inside linebackers. Well, now Houston just can go to the SEC or the Pac-12. I mean, like, I would just make up a new thing. Like, whatever. It doesn't have to be the Big 12. Whatever works. I mean, he can keep saying it. It's just as ridiculous now as it was then. Because Tom Herman, Tom Herman didn't know. David Boren didn't know. I mean, there's, he had no idea. He was just saying it. I mean, so he can keep saying whatever the heck he wants. That's that's his plan. Tom Herman should just keep it real and be like, hey, I'm not going to be here in five months. <laughs> that's the real deal. <laughs> but, yeah. hey, keep talking to me and <laughs> yeah. wherever I land, I'll, I want I'll take you, you with me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sign until February. Do you guys think that when Texas went in so strong so early on U of H that that actually hurt U of H's candidacy because it was so transparent what Texas was trying to do? After – I would say this. I, I don't know how many people – and I've, I've had to – Take a nap today. I've just been whacked this week, so I don't know how much traction Gabe DeArmond's article got on the board today. Uh, not a lot yet, I don't think. Not a lot, no. but but Gabe DeArmond of Power Mizzou, he told me about the Eddie. Stop playing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> broken in timeout. Broken in the drawer. Piece of tripod. Uh, Gabe DeArmond called me about a month ago and said, "Hey, I just talked to Mike Alden, the former Missouri." athletic director and all the people that made the decision for for missouri to bolt from the big 12 are gone now and they're none of them are afraid of talking to me about what went down and why it happened and all this stuff and i'll admit i read like three-fourths of it today and he told me a month ago like mike alden is basically going to say that david Bourne was the straw that broke the camel's back for missouri leaving the big 12 and you read it, and it is it is like being transported back into time because you forget a lot of the things that happened. Um, but it was the Big Ten in two thousand and nine announcing, "Hey, we're looking to expand. We're gonna we're gonna explore this." And Missouri, you remember, they took all the crap because they were their their governor was the first one to come out and say, "Oh, the University of Missouri should look at leaving the Big Twelve and joining the Big Ten because their academic institutions are so much superior." and research facilities it would be great for the state of missouri and so he kept on that and eventually it's caused this panic and it caused chip brown to come out with all his stuff about the pac-12 and it just all of a sudden became this thing and nebraska was kind of laying in the weeds not really saying anything but they were wanting to get out too and then you had colorado we always known that colorado's been flirting with getting out of the conference even when things were stable but you you know, then you have the Longhorn Network that comes in that makes even everybody else panic even more. Uh, people get mad at Texas. Then David Bourne's coming out saying this stuff about we're not going to be a wallflower when this is all said and done. When the conference, all the conference leaders were like, David Bourne, what are you saying? We just said that we were sticking together. Now you're talking about this conference falling apart and you finding your place, you know, high and dry somewhere. And essentially that was what made Missouri decide. And remember, Missouri, there were nine teams. A&M had already left the conference, and Missouri was still in it. So there were nine teams in this conference. TCU and West Virginia hadn't entered yet. And then when A&M left and Bourne did the wallflower stuff, that made the Missouri people just say, look, we're sick of this. We're sick of Texas. We're sick of, of David Bourne trying to run everything. We're going to the SEC. I mean, it's fascinating. So it's a long read, but it's fascinating stuff.
I saw you tweeted about that this morning. I need to sit down and read it. it it's funny, though, that oftentimes throughout this whole process, it has been David Boren opening his mouth and talking about stuff he needs. He's still doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like he he doesn't need to be involved in this as much as the as much as the presidents do. Uh, they they have no say in this. This needs to be up to the athletic directors. And I, I just don't understand. I would feel from an Oklahoma perspective, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with Joe Castiglione ironing everything out than David Boren. Yeah. Because David Boren's first and foremost is worried about not athletics, but about his education and everything that he pushes. His That's donors, why he's building money, everything yeah. across the street from the stadium and all that yeah. stuff. Look, he has he ha- he has done a great job for the university and their academic mission. I mean, uh, and you know, getting in better students and all this stuff. But you're right. It, I mean, these presidents are the ones that, and their their power struggles and their egomaniacal ways are the ones that rip this conference apart. And they were trying so hard to save Missouri and Texas A and M. And it even details how they went to A and M and promised them more money if they would just stay. Like they'd give them a bigger share of things. So they got desperate then, but. Now you're sitting here in a conference. You got Oklahoma and Texas. Jamie Pollard. I don't know if you saw his comments. The the Iowa State athletic director. <laughs> he basically said what you just said, which is the president shouldn't be sticking their nose in athletic department business because we have this all figured out. And it really it's the it's David Bourne, it's DeLoss Dodds, it's Bill Powers. I mean, DeLoss Dodds was an idiot throughout this whole thing. I mean, he was the athletic director that was screwing everything mm-hmm. up. There's a really good thing in there about. How DeLoss Dodds started a profane-laden shouting match at Missouri in the middle of a meeting, and Tom Osborne got up and basically told him to shut up and defended Missouri. So, awesome. I mean, he was crazy. But, yeah, I mean, the people in charge have wrecked this thing. There, And David Bourne is at the top of the list. Why was Boren at the announcement? Did I miss the reasoning behind that? He's the he's the in charge of like he's, he's like the, board, the spokesman. He's the chairman of the the Big Twelve board. Of right. Okay. Right. Okay. So it's not just totally random. Okay. They, I, had, I they made him. They essentially had to make him the chairman because he was the last remaining Big Twelve acting president. Well, and that's the other thing too is that the Big Twelve is trying to make all these decisions with presidents, and they have three interim presidents right now from ten schools. Well, here the, right? the thing about presidents, yeah. the thing about presidents is, and you're right that that their first priority is the university first, and not just the athletic department, specifically the football team. So their motives are a little different than other people's, and they might see things and they might put things into a decision that don't really need to be there. The idea that the conference you're in for your athletics affecting your school's academic prowess is such a minor detail. I can't believe it's been blown up to the point it has by a lot of presidents. I mean, Missouri's saying they want to go to the Big Ten because of the academic stuff. I don't see how – I mean, Vanderbilt is in the SEC. There are there are good schools in the SEC. There are bad schools in the SEC. Texas is in the Big 12. That's a good institution. Oklahoma is a good school. It's in the Big 12. There are places you can find good schools, bad schools. The, the idea that wherever you go, you ha- you're tied in with the schools around you and their academics, it's a little – I think it's been way overblown. It's that typical university, you know, hoity-toity – you know, it, everything has to make something else look b- big or important, or it's just it's typical university stuff. Nobody wants to just be honest and say that you know one of the things that powers this university is athletic, the football, the athletic team program, specifically, specifically yeah. the football program. It's not the honors college across the street on Lindsay, Sorry. or the residential college, or residential. That's what I meant. Sorry, Debo. Uh, look, it does none of us any good to bash David Boren. <laughs> Uh, that's just bad business. 
but uh, you know, you can't deny that a lot of people have screwed this up. And in OU, as much as you wanted to point the finger at Missouri or Nebraska or anybody in this guy, OU is, or, or even Texas and the Longhorn Network. OU has done as much to screw up this conference as anybody else. That's why it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here the next, I guess, seven, eight years is that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of reside with the fact that I think the decision of the future of the Big 12 was probably made this past week, and they, they aren't going to sign a grant of rights or anything no. here in the future. So, uh, you know, I guess everybody's just going to have to wait until we see where all this ends up going as far as, uh, you know, the, the super conference talk, uh, the TV package talk, all of that. I mean, And for Jamie Pollard to have to sit there and say, I admit it, without OU in Texas, we're the Mountain West. I mean, that's choking down a mountain of crap. I mean, I give it up to that guy. I mean, he is, he seems like a good dude, and he's being honest. And I'm sure he hates being as honest as he has to be, but that's just the way it is. So I think for OU, Josh, moving forward, the most important thing is, Stay in this conference. You're stuck here for nine more years, but build up recruiting again. Get to a point of power to where when that happens and the grand rights is up, you have pretty much any option because you need to have a powerful football program in nine years. And Bob Stoops probably won't be a part of it, but I just think that's that's the only thing that they can do and focus on right now. And I know the fans hate this conference. They hate what's happened. But man, you just gotta you gotta do like everybody else, just kind of suck it up right now. Yeah, yeah. And and Dan Wetzel actually wrote a column yesterday, kind of talking about how the Big Twelve needs to just stay as ten, make that you know kind of consolidate and make that a strength. And he was talking more of like turn that into your long term plan. And I I don't buy that at all. I don't think that fits. It doesn't make any sense to me. But what I will say is what he was talking about was Oklahoma and Texas, as, as long as they're in the Big 12, have one of the easiest runs to the playoff. Right. And that's something you can sell kids on. You know what, guys? You come here, we handle our business week in and week out against you know probably four or five opponents that have any business playing us on a weekly, uh, you know, on a, on a yearly schedule. We're going to go to the playoff. Like, th- that's going to happen. We're Oklahoma. We're going to get in there with a loss, probably. And if we go undefeated, we're sure as hell getting in there. So I think that's something Oklahoma can sell to recruits, and it's something kids are going to like. You know, you don't have to go to Alabama and play, you know, LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas. You know, go through that total gauntlet, and then still have to play one more SEC championship game. So I think that's something both OU and Texas can sell, and I think it's something that can work. And then you're right when the whenever that time comes up. Then you can you have a strong product to still sell. The other thing is, you really do need TCU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State to to challenge in this conference every year. I mean, you have to have somebody. You're gonna have Kansas is probably gonna suck forever. K State's gonna be that team that beats some people they shouldn't. Iowa State is probably having about as good as years they'll hope to have right now. I mean, Texas Tech is Texas Tech. I mean. You need, I hate to say this because it's Baylor, but you need Baylor to be what they have been the last few years. You need TCU to keep doing what they do. It's just, you're stuck in this. You're here. It's, it's, I know people don't like it, but that's what you got right now. Bottom line, it doesn't screw over Oklahoma that much. Last year, they're in the Big 12. 
they made the college football playoff with a loss. Who it does hurt was a couple of years ago, Baylor and TCU. Those schools, when there's a questionable decision at the end like that for the committee, those schools are going to get hurt. Oklahoma and Texas, they're not going to get hurt. Those schools could help themselves, though, by not scheduling uh, exactly. whoever in the non-conference. I mean, if they just... Scheduling better? Yeah, just yeah. schedule a little bit better. It doesn't even have to be... It just has to be a team with some type of presence. I mean, I, I don't know. You they don't, need to raise don't their... Don't schedule Northwest Louisiana. They need to raise their profiles for everyone's sake. I mean, it... I mean, right now, OU's home football schedule, it sucks. I mean, you got you got to see Ohio State come in here. But other than that, I mean, I don't care how good TCU and Baylor are. OU fans aren't getting jacked for those games. Yeah. I mean, and you got you don't have Texas coming here. You've got Oklahoma State. And that's really about it. I mean, that K-State crowd was pathetic for an OU crowd. To me, that's always been the greatest selling point to going to the SEC is that it improves fan experience um, infinitely. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying like, uh, you can have Kansas State come in, Baylor come in, teams like that come in, or you can have Alabama come in, Auburn, Arkansas. Those games will be more fun. And the argument against it Florida, is, yeah. the argument against it is those teams are going to make it harder to win a national title. And I've said this before, it's already hard to win a national title. Bob Stoops has won one since he's been in the Big 12. So go ahead and have fun games at least. You maybe, you, you, you maybe get to the national title as much as you had, but you just... You don't, you don't get as far every year as you normally would. Like you don't, you don't get on the cusp of being in the playoffs. If you're in the SEC and you don't have a great team, it's going to show you. You're gonna, you're gonna finish eight and five, or you know, you get hammered nine and exactly. Three. Your ten and two seasons become seven and five or eight yeah. and four real fast. But but you will still have if you're Oklahoma and you're in the SEC, you will still have marches to a national title. The opportunity. It's just, yeah, your great teams are still great. Yeah. And the ones that aren't just to get exposed faster, that's all. Yeah, you're right. Um, here's the thing, though. I mean, the Big 12 has to recruit better. Yep. And and we we talked about it last week. It just sucks right now. For Texas to be where they are, uh, TCU is not recruiting great. Baylor, we know why they're not recruiting great. Oklahoma State needs to be doing better. Kansas State has never recruited, so you don't worry about them. But all of a sudden, you're going to have a talent drain in this conference, and it's it's not going to be good when you're only putting four or five guys in the NFL draft every year out of this conference. Then that's when you start taking a hit. As much as uh, Art Bryles leaving has hurt, hurt, Art Bryles leaving has hurt this conference as much as anything else. I mean, it, Baylor was a legitimate option. They were becoming a legitimate national power as strange as that sounds, outside of Oklahoma and Texas. And then Bryles doing what he did, running the program he ran. I mean, now you have Baylor kind of falling back, and people are in their heads assuming Baylor is what they were before. Um, and and they and as much as, as as much as it was hurting Oklahoma on the recruiting trail, and they've benefited from Baylor falling off, I still think them being where they're at now really hurts this conference overall. We haven't even talked yeah, about Samaje uh, Perrine. Uh, per With the Big 12, you need Oklahoma and Texas to be top 10 programs, like they should be. And then you need some semblance of Baylor, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and let's say Kansas State to be pushing that top 25. You need two of those in the top 25, and you need the other two to be there, be present, be good programs. And I, and I instead of Kansas State, I'd say TCU. But, I mean, you know, you go down that list, and the, that's just not happening this year. Baylor, I, 
they're undefeated. They haven't played anybody, and they don't look all that great when they do. So, that I mean, you this year has to become an aberration, or the Big 12's going to continue to have problems. You know what it doesn't hurt is for West Virginia to be good because that really expands the footprint of the Big 12 when people further on the East Coast are like, oh, this is one of the best teams in the country. Like, we haven't, we haven't experienced that yet as a conference, and it's kind of happening right now this year. It's good for the conference. Very, well, very it, interesting. It was their very first year, right? That was the Geno Smith year that they were like top 10 for a while and they beat Texas and Austin. And then, if I remember right, they 2012? Just, it, was, they, it, was, it was in Lubbock at Texas Tech. They fell apart yeah. and just got clobbered. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That West Virginia ad at the time, I, I really liked that addition. Uh, when their football team is right, they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Morgantown, well, I didn't think it was the greatest town. That's a fun atmosphere. Um, when they get rolling, and I, I really wish Holgerson can figure it out because I think he's a fun guy to have in this conference, and I think he works well there. If they can become an even better version of Texas Tech, you know, the kind of the the, the tough place to go out to out east that you, you can always be snake bitten out there with that offense, I think that's fun. When they're like they are now, when they're losing to Kansas State or or beating Kansas State 17-16, that's not fun. By the way, uh, Kale Gundy had an objection earlier. We haven't even talked about Samaje per, uh, Perrine. Uh yeah, we do kind of need to move on and talk a little bit about the game this week. Uh, obviously, the big news that came out on Monday, uh, Bob Stoops kind of, as he does from time to time. <laughs> I love how he drops injury news. Oh, just, and by the way. He just dropped uh, this little bomb about uh, Samaje, uh, as Kale said, Perrine. I should have said too, uh, Samaje P. Ryan has a, uh, a slight pulled muscle, uh, so he will be out at least two weeks, uh, maybe three. Uh, that's going to be, you know, ongoing just, you know, with the running back with the slight pull. We just got to make sure that, you know, that it, it, it heals properly. But uh, so that'll be, a, you know, here for a couple of weeks uh, for sure. And see, I know, Eddie, you were on the sidelines and you heard his mom or him talking to his mom he thought he said hamstring mm -hmm. that doesn't that that strikes me and, and maybe it, you know hamstring yeah you're always worried that they're going to re-injure that i just worry that it's like some combination of like hamstring groin because we saw you know, what happened to sterling shepherd trying to come back from a groin injury yeah and that that lasted the entire year almost yeah it did it, it was something that i think that if if they if they didn't have needed him so much he probably would have sat out three four games but he never did. He kept trying to go because he was the only option at wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, I think that this is something for Samaje that maybe we really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to at the beginning of the year. I think that, you know, when, when you hear the coaches talking about him during throughout the preseason and just how much, uh, or I guess how how less that, I, how, how inactive, I guess, would be the best way to put it. He was through the summer, through preseason. Uh, you know, I think this is a deep-rooted, like injury, a lingering issue, a, that he's a had. very lingering yeah. issue that he just has not been healthy at all this season, and maybe he was finally starting to get there in the last couple games. But uh, this is obviously a setback, and how this kind of affects everything going into Lubbock is very interesting and very worth talking about. As uh, I, I think this is—I don't want to say it's a trap game, but this is a game that you know I, I think that a lot of people look at Texas Tech and don't think there's any way that Oklahoma could go down there and lose this weekend. I'm the exact opposite. I think this is a game that Oklahoma better play very well, or uh, they'll be walking out of uh, out of Lubbock on Saturday night with a loss, and especially with a loss after uh, kind of the way that Texas Tech played last weekend against West Virginia, when they just looked absolutely terrible uh, against a Mountaineer team that I think is just 
kind of okay. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm bought in yet. Uh, this game's going to be I, – I, I think it's going to be tough. I think Oklahoma's going to have a hard time. Uh, they might pull away late, but Texas Tech – plays well at home and they play Oklahoma well at home and they have all the reason in the world to be motivated with Baker Mayfield coming back the, it, it, with the start they've had to their season this is their Super Bowl this game is Texas Tech season it's going to be a night game and that place is going to be crazy and Patrick Mahomes I, I, they're going to score I would have a hard time believing that they won't score 40 plus points or in that vicinity so Oklahoma's offense is going to have to come out and execute. And Samaj P. Ryan playing well the last few weeks has been a big reason why the offense started to play a lot better. So it's going to be a big moment for Abdul Adams. He's going to have to, or, or I guess Joe Mixon might just have to carry the load the whole time. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Uh, Texas Tech? Let me tell you why I suck. They're, you're overselling them, Joe. They're, their defense is atrocious. Very, they, very They bad. are allowing 40 points a game. Uh, very, very bad, Mr. Yeah. They, yeah. They... They are on the field so much. I I don't think, I think OU's offense has progressed past. And and look, I'll say this. It's hard. It's going to be hard for some people to admit this, but OU's defense is getting better. It's getting better, and it's it hasn't been tested as much. It it was really good in the first half against Texas. They were terrible at the coming out of halftime against Kansas State. I mean, they gave up the same amount of points that West Virginia almost did. I mean. I think they did they miss a field goal, an extra point in that game to make it 17-16. I think that's what happened, right? Oh, up in Morgantown? Yeah. I think so, yeah. So, I I mean, I think OU's defense is on par with West Virginia's. I think I think now West Virginia got a lot of pressure on Mahomes, and I don't know if if OU is capable of doing that. But at the same time, Texas Tech's offensive line is terrible. Yeah, it really is. They cannot run. I mean, they just they've they pretty much have given up on running the ball. And look, it's not it's not a superstar defensive line, but OU's defensive line is not bad. I mean, they have lost some major guys to injury, and they've been able to overcome that. Austin Roberts has stepped up and played really yeah, well. Yeah, he really has. Neville Gallimore's played really well. They've they've found guys, you're right, Kerry. That they've they Jordan have, Wade, we never Jordan give Wade, him enough credit. Bears that they call him. I mean, those guys you felt like the defensive line could crumble after all those injuries, and they really haven't. That's a great point, Kerry. Let me let me throw since we're talking about defensive line, uh, some interesting stuff came up this week uh, from Bob Stoops. Uh, here he is just talking about how well the defensive line has played this year. They're playing excellent. I mean, our guys the other day were, were awesome. Um, I mean, they're all recognized with winning grades. Uh, Bear, again, is always great. Austin Roberts had a really good game. Neville Gallimer, uh, his first start played excellent. Um, you know, continues to get better. So uh, they were very uh, – Matt Romar was very disruptive in there again. And uh, so all those guys are, you know, they've been playing really well. Now, one of the – we can't gloss over this. The biggest controversy on the defensive line is obviously Charles Walker. Now, I think Jim Traber has has really, for whatever reason, because he's Jim Traber, he's contributed to this. That he's kind of gone on this narrative, like, and he's not right, saying that you know he's abandoned his team, he's refusing to play. None of that, from what I know, is exactly. Right. I mean, Charles Walker basically came out with a... Was it an Instagram post? It was a uh, Twitter post. I have it right here, it too, Twitter if we post. need it. But he basically came out denying any of the more... He didn't really deny anything about 
medical situations or if he could play and if he's just not playing. But he came out, Eddie, and and talked about just some of the the more salacious rumors, I guess. Yeah, it just said that, quote, "I, I don't know where all these rumors started about me not showing up to the games or about me quitting. Uh, do y'all really think that Coach Stoops would allow anything like that on his team? I don't need to acknowledge anything that's being said and don't care at all, but I'll never leave my guys behind if I wasn't able to, period. But what? I don't even understand this. But this season isn't about me. It's about our team. On that note, Boomer Sooner beat Texas Tech, all caps, of course. But here's, I mean, here's what's strange is Bob was actually asked Monday – if there was a chance that Charles Walker wouldn't even play the rest of this year, is there a chance that we won't see Walker back the rest of this year? Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not uh, sure of that. With uh, doctors and trainers, or you know, would would have to answer that. That's a yes. Yes, that he will be back, or no, yes, that he won't. I mean, there's a chance. Like the question was, there's a chance. Yeah, that- just to even broach that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to not to not just come out and say, oh, he'll be back. I mean, that's what you would expect of that situation. But he didn't do that. He he. He left it open like, yeah, yeah, there is a chance. We won't see him again, which is crazy to me. It's mind-blowing considering everything that was going into this season for Charles Walker personally. I mean, it, it this was the season that he was going to make money uh, pretty much and put game tape together to get drafted in the NFL, and you can't do that if you're not on the field. So I, I think that's the biggest Look, head-scratcher for everybody. Yeah. I know everyone on the board – once answers, and I understand. It's just that it's that time, and people are impatient with it, and they want to know. I'll tell you everything I know, and that is the coaches had no idea after the TCU game that Charles Walker had any kind of a concussion of any type. On Monday, following the uh, TCU game, they were informed that he was having some concussion-related symptoms. And I think by his family it informed the OU staff that now I don't know if he was put through you know concussion protocols at that point or if he cleared them or passed them I was told that no one knew about the concussion and he reported it first they felt like he could pass the protocols and be clear to play but I don't think he or his family felt comfortable playing because he was suffering from some concussion symptoms. Now, I don't think it was like puking or even sensitivity to light or headaches. I mean, I think it it must have just been some other things, whether maybe it was dizziness. I don't know. Maybe it was uh, inability to sleep. That could be something like that. But no, I don't think it was a situation where they said, okay, you're clear. And he says oh, I have an insurance policy, I'm not going to go back out and play again so I can protect myself and be drafted in the NFL. I don't think that's what's going on. I think those are the things that naturally you ask yourself, like, what is this kid's deal? He doesn't really seem... I think the main thing I've heard with Charles Walker over and over again is people, and it's because of his work habits in the past and in the in offseason, people question whether Charles Walker sincerely loves playing the sport of football. And I don't think that I'm speaking out of turn from people I've talked to. And that would is you know, and that leads you to assume it's not that important for him to get back back out on a football field because he's battling some potential concussion issues. I mean, Josh, does that make sense to you? 
It does. And, you know, you we've all talked about this a little bit, both, you know, here on the podcast and, and kind of privately in our own conversations. But it just this whole thing feels so strange to me. And am, am I crazy that if, you know, kind of with the the audio soundbite you guys played earlier that, of course, I didn't get to hear. But, <laughs> you know, with what you guys are discussing, if. If Charles Walker doesn't play again this year, do you think he plays again at Oklahoma? I, I would be inclined to say he doesn't. I don't know how – yeah, I don't know with questions about whether he could or couldn't play. I don't know how his teammates will take that. I don't know how they're taking it right now, to be honest with you. And how much is a direct reflection of the Tay Evans and Daniel Brooks? I mean, is it a, you a know, possibly, situation? Well, I've got something and I'm scared? You know, like – and it's an understandable fear if that's what it is. But that's uh, – I, I – that's all. I mean, you, know, you go back to his high school days. Injuries have always been an issue with Walker. Now the concussions are a little different, and I, and I get that. He had a shoulder injury, right? His senior year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was junior year, and then he kind of had some nagging stuff through his senior year. But he was he was just so dominant, it didn't matter. And that's kind of what you thought you would see this year. You know, kind of like his senior year, where he knew this is my last chance to audition for the college coaches. You thought, well, this is his year. He's going to put it all together. And like Eddie said, it just hasn't come off. Well, and that was really, I mean, kind of the big bombshell this week. Not, I mean, other than P. Ryan, uh, but there was something else on the defensive line. It was a very huge topic of discussion this week, uh, and that is two players coming off a of suspension for something they did at the bowl game: uh, Devontae Lampkin and Dwayne Orso. And Bob uh, addressed, you know, whether they would be back from suspension this week. Uh, we'll see. They're they're officially yes uh, back, but we'll see what what kind of position they're in to help it all. To me, that says yeah, they're back. They ain't playing though. Bingo. That, we talked about this earlier, Kerry. I think Bob Stoops needs like the Key and Peel President Obama translator. He needs to say that. He really does, yeah. And then have someone next to him like nah, who but, would it be though? Like who ooh, would be the translator? Mike. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Mike needs a translator too, though. <laughs> Oh, Eddie seems stumped. Eddie could I don't do. Know. Eddie, Sometimes I feel like I have a good handle on it. Eddie I could, could do like it. you could. Yeah, that Eddie would be could really do it very good. well. Oh, we need to do that. Be plenty of cursing. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of f bombs. Throwing people under the rug. Well, sometimes people need to be thrown under the rug. Calling people wimps and p words. A lot of well, p Eddie words. Well, Eddie could rock the visor, <laughs> so that works. <laughs> I just I th I think it's going to be interesting. A, but look, but look, are look. they even going to travel? I bet they. I bet they. I don't. And Orso won't. I bet Lampkin does. I just. I. I don't think they need Lampkin. I mean, I. I was talking to Mike the other day, and Eddie, you were there, and I said, "How are you overcoming this stuff?" And Mike was like, "Look, we got a two deep. We're yeah. we're good." That was I mean, a little surprising to me. He said, "You know, you'd love to have a three deep, but we've got a two deep." He was basically. I mean, he was kind of. He was kind of uh, brash about it. I mean, it's in Bonasort territory now. I mean, they're basically talking about these guys in the exact same way of, yeah, they're here, they exist, they're on the team, but they're not going to be helpful to us on the field. I think the only difference in that is, is Devontae, he actually might be able to help him at some point down the road. I don't think P.J. Bonasort yeah, will just, ever help. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think Dwayne Orso will help. I mean, he switched positions already. I just, I think Devontae is a guy... And we talked about this. He's that he's that guy that you look at him, you he comes to visit, you see him, and you say, Well, this kid shows just 
too much raw size and 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 frame for us not to take a kid like this in this day and age. You don't see kids like Devontae Lambert. You don't see uh, who was the kid that had the cake, the OU cake, Chris Daniels. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see kids like like OU and Texas saw both these guys, and I think they're kind of the same. And they're just like, we have to take these guys. Maybe their film doesn't show us anything. But there aren't guys like this around. And I think Devontae Lampkin's just that guy. He he's he what is it? It looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. I mean if if we knew not how, say not calling him a puss or anything. I'm I just wish that we knew what he had been doing for the last six weeks. If I knew that he had been practicing and Oh, I think they've been practicing. Well, yeah, I guess. Because there's no reason why they wouldn't be. Yeah, you they've can just practice, been suspended yeah. from games. Yeah, but what they're probably not I mean, they're going to film room, are they putting in extra work? Are they doing keeping their mind right in the game? I, I got I talked to Jordan Evans earlier this year about getting guys to go like putting in extra work and he said that he sometimes had to struggle to grab guys and drag them into the meeting room, grab them into the film room to watch stuff. So it wouldn't shock me at all if those guys had just kind of turned their brains off to football for the last month and a half. Well, and I think that I think there's probably some truth to that because otherwise Bob would have been Oh, we're excited about Devonte, mm-hmm. and you know we we can't wait to get him back on the field. I mean, he didn't say that though. Not even close to that. No, <laughs> what he said was, "No, those guys aren't going to help us." Josh, doesn't bless Lamp- your heart. No, doesn't great La- question. Move on. What was Lampkin's story on signing day? I remember that was some sort of saga. What What do you remember from that? Well, he was a guy that Oklahoma worked till the end. That was still under the Jerry Montgomery era, and he was really. Franklin ended up being one of Jerry Montgomery's last recruits. And Montgomery had worked him and worked him and brought him in for an official. And then I was told that he gave OU the impression that he had, you know, I'm going to flip. And it just never happened. And he stopped returning calls. And so on signing day, like going in, there wasn't really any, um, there wasn't that much drama about it. But what happened was, Almost immediately after signing day concluded, and I can't remember if it was the night of or the following morning, but it was word got out that Florida was going to hire Chris Rumpf, uh, Texas's defensive line coach, and you know the guy that Lampkin had obviously expected to play for. Lampkin got sore; it ended up being an issue, and that's what really started the whole process of him kind of getting out of that Texas situation. Which, you know, if everybody remembers, he needed a Spanish credit, like, and he he. He claimed he couldn't get it, and then basically because he couldn't achieve that, he was able to get out on an exemption and go play at Oklahoma because immediately. Because Texas would which, not admit him. They wouldn't yeah, enroll exactly. him in the and university. It, to me, it's always felt like that was just a really, really good loophole that Oklahoma found, and Key kind of walked through it. Uh, okay, I want to move on to something real quick, uh, and that was something I asked Bob about this week. It's something that we get questions about a lot. By the way, should I just throw this out there before I get to this? Um I'm going to play this real quick. And Josh, we'll talk about it after. I mean, he's a guy that you had to speak to your team fairly recently. How did you feel about him having negative comments? You know, I, I don't, that doesn't need to be brought up here. I don't, hey, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Me hey. having an opinion on their opinion, I, I, don't, I don't need that here, you know. That was me asking Bob Stoops if he hates Bosworth's guts. Um, and uh, he said he didn't want to talk about it. Oh, that would have been great. I to don't have an Eddie know translator. that of all the things that I've done to piss people off on Sooner Scoop, I don't know that there has been as much vitriol as that stupid article I wrote on high school kids have more faith in Oklahoma than the Boz. I thought it was great. I thought it was dead on. I'm sure it made Josh very uncomfortable. You're making the subscribers upset, Carrie. 
No, that like I I like that there was a reaction. I I'm I guess I'm just one of those people. I'm not reactionary enough. Like I don't understand. I never understood why it was a big deal what he said. I never understood why anyone would be upset about what you said. Yeah, which, you are a pacifist when it comes to this kind of stuff. But no, what what did he you say? Are. He what said, did he say he that said, was okay, so incendiary? Here's the thing. He came and spoke to the team at the start of camp. Like, they invited him in to come and talk to the team. He did the freaking team intro video. His voice is on there, welcoming the team, getting them fired up to come out onto the field. And then he goes on Fox Sports and... He half-assed the opinion, by the way, I thought. I mean... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he didnn't it, say anything flammable. It was nothing. He said that, oh, you should move on from Bob Stoops. He said they should start preparing their next coach. And he mentioned Lincoln Riley, who we've all talked about, is a very potential, uh, is a good that guy. That just shows you how earmark. ridiculous the boss is. You're not going to fire an 18-year head coach and replace him with the offensive coordinator that's there. And, unless you're, you know, like... Arizona or somebody that has a crazy person as their athletic director. And I, I mean, I the stuff, the stuff about recruiting and I mean, coming to criticize them for getting killed in bowl games when they're coming off of a college football playoff. I just like, what is well, it? What's killed. the timing? They, they, I looked up Brian Bosworth. Like they have all these speaking engagement sites. Yeah. Like you can see what somebody's going rate is. His rate is ten to twenty thousand dollars for a speaking engagement. So essentially, he got paid a whole bunch of money, probably twenty thousand dollars or more by Fox, to go on there with Vince Young, and I'm sure it was kind of like, hey, you know, Charlie Strong's got all this heat on him. Do you think maybe you could talk about how Bob Stoops could be on the hot seat too? And I'm sure Bob's like, oh yeah, let's do that. I mean, and, and it was so half-assed. God told me to say it. Yeah, he relies on that as a crutch too much. It's really that, bad. That's that that turns me off too. But I mean, there's no doubt as half-ass as his opinion was, he didn't feel strongly about it. He got coerced into doing that. Cuz if he did, if he did feel strongly about that, he wouldn't have been on the sidelines at the Cotton Bowl one week or two days later after yeah. he was on the Fox appearance. Are, are we going to get to the point where the entire 1985 defense is going to be hated by OU fans now? I mean, we're working on it. But nobody there. hates the I mean, people are mad at me for, for daring to criticize Boss. And look, I understand it 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 kind of justified people's opinions about this team. And, and look, we have plenty of people on the board who rail on OU and Bob Stoops. And they they Bob has lost a certain segment of the fans. And most of them are on Sooner Scoop, it seems like. Uh, and I understand that, like the people that are, but the people that are saying, Boz needs to be able to hold the 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 program accountable. Boz is out for himself. Yes, he's not he's not some high and mighty, you know, bastion of tradition. That he got kicked off the team by Barry Switzer. Like now that I I totally agree. You can't talk about how what he said was no big deal. And Barry then turn Switzer around and be like, kicked he's you off leading of a football the charge. Team. Like you can't have it both ways. I mean, just think about that. Barry Switzer kicked him off of a football team. You know how much you're you up. have to, you, how, <laughs> how undisciplined, as they say, you have to be for Barry Switzer to kick you off his football team. I, it, 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 it all rubs me the wrong way. I'm you're sorry. You're really messing up if you get kicked I off. Am, and I said it from the beginning. Look, people should be able to hold Bob accountable. Hold the program. Hold Joe Castiglione, David Bourne. 
the don't I mean the donors the the fans the boosters they all yes you should be able to demand better than you have gotten especially since you know 2009 I don't disagree with that I just disagree I'm not shooting the message I'm shooting the messenger in this case cuz Boz is not a good messenger and you can criticize Bob Stoops with some middle ground. It's, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. He doesn't have to immediately be fired. If he repunts to Tyree Kill, you can criticize him for that decision without saying Bob Stoops has to be fired. If he calls ridiculous timeouts, it's fair game to criticize him for calling ridiculous timeouts. But well, here's mean the other thing about the, the timeouts. People get their panties in a wad about that. They should be calling timeouts on defense the way things... I mean, losing all the people they've lost. Micaiah Quick, and you're playing Stephen Parker at a new position. You got Will Sunderland out there. You got Jordan Parker out there. Hell yes, use up your timeouts. It's better than letting a team... They ran out of their timeouts when TCU was throwing bombs over the top of their defense. First time, so stop that's freaking. just this year. Their timeout no. issues have been ongoing for several years yeah and it's not like that this isn't a uh, isol. like i get what you're saying if it's just but you know what no no no, no. here's the thing here's the thing when bot when mike moved up into the box that stuff has really lessened the timeouts all the time they fixed a lot of stuff by moving mike stoops up in the box people will not admit that but they have it has improved their defense since he's been up there and it's improved the timeout situation it did last year and it really hasn't been. It's not like it's been a, 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 a epidemic or anything. They've called a couple of timeouts on defense. I think maybe five total this whole season it's, it's, so far. It's when they do it. They do it. The first half timeouts. I've said this before. First half timeouts. Call them whenever you need to. Second half timeouts can steal you possession late in the game. Those three timeouts, if you can hold on to them, are an extra possession. And to, no, that's right. To, to if you're going to give one of those up to save five yards. I mean, depending on the circumstance, that's ridiculous. If you're giving one up before a two-point conversion, that's ridiculous. If you're giving one up uh, before a fourth down and then going ahead and punting anyway, that's ridiculous. And all those things have happened this year. Now, sometimes people take that too far. Like in the last game, they had a fourth and two on defense, and I thought that was a smart timeout they called to make sure they got the right play and they ended up stopping Kansas State. So I mean, there's, there's nuance there, but it, to me it's about when they call them. Yeah. Well, those second and the half one to me, and, and Joe, you may remember better than I do, the one where Jordan Thomas against, uh, what was that? Uh, was it Texas? When he had to make the two-on-one tackle out in space because no one was out there to cover that little bubble. They saved their ass. Yep. Th- that's a timeout. Like, yep. I get that one. That, yep. that makes sense. Our alignment's not right. Like, I understand all of it. And, Kerry, to your point, I believe it was Will Sunderland that, that had the misread and he was out of position. So, like, you understand that's not a that's a young player making a mental mistake. Like you get that. Well, it's but, like uh, when they against TCU, one of their long touchdowns, they had somebody. I think it was they had a corner. Maybe it was Parker, uh, and he was running out to the 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 far side of the field because they had a two on one in that situation. And what happened was Ahmad Thomas didn't go deep because the guy was going to be running free. And and I think it was Parker. I mean, maybe it was Quick. Uh, but they had they were taking the the short route. They were taking the screen, and so what happened was Ahmad Thomas and the guy that ran out on the field, whether it's quick or whoever, they both took the short route and just let the guy run past him. So, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's what's happening in this league, though. I mean, let's let's not pretend like this doesn't happen in other places. Yeah, I mean, people run tempo and get one on ones or getting zero on ones all over the country. People are calling Alabama 
probably possibly the greatest defense of all time in college football, and they gave up 40 points to Ole Miss earlier this year. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, to they don't, I mean, Alabama, been whatever they passed on the entire year. Whenever Alabama plays one of these teams, they don't do well. Remember, West Virginia shredded them a couple of years ago, and that wasn't even a good West Virginia team. They just make up for it by having absolute freaks in the front seven. Yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. Uh, Josh has got to get out of here. Uh, Josh, do you have like a couple of minutes or you got to go? Yeah, no, no, no. We're okay. If, if we've got a few I wanted minutes, to play one more thing that you obviously can't hear. <laughs> it leads to what we've been talking about, about criticism of the program. I just don't think that you can discount the fact that what's happened over the last 15 months in this program. It's almost like people want to pretend like the Russell Athletic Bowl is where Bob Stoops' career ends lately. And it doesn't. I mean... They went to the college football playoff last year. They made a bunch of changes. They brought in these coaches. We've talked about this a hundred times. From the moment we saw these guys out on the road recruiting, we knew it was going to be different. We knew that these guys were going to bring in better recruits, and they have. They've got the number three recruiting class in the country. And I, I kind of asked Bob. We had a back and forth at his press conference on Monday about you know just this staff and what they've been able to do to turn things around in the recruiting game. You know, we're, we're banging those buttons all the time. And that wasn't uh, exactly what yeah, we, we said. Are. Here is uh, Bob Stoops. You, I mean, the way your season started, you know, a lot of people panicked. And curious, recruiting for you hasn't, it's only gotten better since the start of the season. I mean, just seems like you've rebounded. I mean, did you ever feel that there was any second guessing by any of your guys, any of your kids that you'd, you'd been recruiting? I don't know. No, you know, not really. Our, our recruits have been, uh, we've got a great and exceptional class, you know, a top five class in the country right now, you know, with more coming. And uh, they've been fabulous. We've had great communication with them. They've been close with each other. They realize, you know, the strength of this program and, and uh, you know, in the future with all of them together, what they can, they can also bring to it. And, uh, so it's been. I haven't noticed that they've been. They've been great. Uh, we had. Uh, what we have? Uh, you. You probably know more. I mean. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Also, we had 20, 30 of them in for official visit. You know, the Ohio State weekend, and 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 it was a great weekend with them. You know, now the game wasn't what we wanted it to be, but everything else was. And they 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 know they could come in here and make a difference. Now that was uh, Josh. That was Bob talking about kind of rebounding from one and two, not losing any recruits, and even adding. He even said there, you know, he thought the Ohio State weekend as a recruiting weekend went as well as they could hoped, even though they lost the game. Which, I mean, you can talk to that, speak to that more than anybody. Oh yeah, you know, and I to be fair on this one, I actually I, I was listening to the press conference when it happened. I, I heard his comments, and I, I thought he was dead on. I think that's completely accurate with. The, res the response that I got from guys. You know, I, I talked about it earlier. Greg Rogers came out of that weekend glowing about Oklahoma. They've already picked up a uh, commitment from, uh, let me say if I can get this right, Jakiri Daly. Um, uh, Jakir. Uh, huh? I think it's he told me He told me uh, Jakiri. What? He told me Jakir. That's Jakir. what he told me. It's a so, Joe Smackdown right there. I don't know, I'm going to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Joe, this will not Scum be the first Jay. time, like, He'll show up, and you'll see the phonetic spelling on OU's roster, and it'll be something totally different. That's happening. Yeah, to what happens is half a dozen here's times. what happens. They tell you, Josh, mm -hmm. and you make sure. And I've done this before too. It's like with Chuka and Dulue, and and yep. and uh, Joseph Abiloye was like the That's the worst one, one ever. Yeah. 
Uh, but like the kids will tell you and you want to know, you want to get it right. And they can tell that you want to get it right. So they tell you exactly how to say it. And then I think when they get to school, they're just like, these white people are never going to figure this out. Just, and they just tell them what, what most people call them. And so then they make the just phonetic in the program, spelling whatever. in the program. And it takes like two years when they, re- when they finally get sick of people mispronouncing their name when they tell them exactly how to say it. It's just like, I mean, like, it's all, all the stuff that led to, to this kind of stuff. We haven't even talked about Samaje Perrine. Uh, Joe Mixon, Samaji Perrin. Samaji Perrin was that? Was, uh, Joe Mixon, Samaji Perrin. No one could pronounce Samaji Perrin until he was, he was halfway through his freshman season. It's like, hey, we've look. got a miracle. Gentlemen, I heard that. Really? Whoa. Don't touch anything. Don't move. Okay. Nobody move in any direction. But I actually heard that. Wow. But, I mean, that happens so... It's funny that you bring that up because that happens all the time. So yep. I, I'm, the, I'm the white guy stiff in this scenario. They, yeah, you're the white guy. I, He's just like, yeah. I called I'm him Shakir, gonna... and he was like, yeah, that's good. Just go ahead and say that. Whatever, <laughs> well, man. he saw your last name, Joe. There's no respect. He's like, Duvall, you don't know what this life's like. Those French Ma- people. Ma- McQuistian, he's like, you know it, bro. You know what this life is all about. So... And that's I, I think that's why I. You should change your name to Joe Duvalier when you. you Duvalier. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. I think that could work. I think the capital V is a little pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but let's face it, Joe. Everything about you is a little pretentious. (laughs) Uh, That's probably not my. You've got a man bun right now. I do have a man bun right now. Although I believe I'm wearing birthday bun. Yeah, I'm wearing a, a shirt that's like ten years old though too. So. I am shocked. Like Joe wears his Under Armour shoes that I bought him for for uh, Rivals Five Star like all the time. Do you just do that when you know you're going to see me? No, I <laughs> I don't buy shoes very often. It I, was really odd taking Joe into an athletic store. I mean, he's I can't give you crap because I'm a fat dude and I played <laughs> baseball. You played baseball, but no one's going to walk up to either of us and go, "Oh God, you guys were obviously athletes." No, never. <laughs> I I remember- but like taking Joe in his man bun into Dick Sporting Goods to look a. It was like taking my seven and four four year old and seven year old nieces to Toys R Us and trying to get them to agree on what toy to buy because the four year old wanted them to both get the same thing so they could play with each other, <laughs> and the seven year old wanted to get like the you know the advanced toys that the four year old wasn't interested in. So like Joe was just walking around in circles, just trying to figure it out. I was and so I was excited. Like, and I said, Joe. Here's my advice. Don't get like, I know you probably want like the flashy neon ones. I said, those get really old fast and you get tired of looking at them. So get something that's, you know, that you're going to be able to wear for years at at Rivals events. Joe, he is now wearing black shoes with lime green soles with uh, radioactive yellow laces. So I, he bought the flashy one. I do. So he got a little flavor in there. That's not too great. It's black. That's okay. I believe Carrie pointed at these specific ones when saying, <laughs> "You, <laughs> you might not want to get those. <laughs> you don't want to get those. They're gonna they're gonna look bad in a few years." And I, my head just kind of went. Could you tell like the those? disappointment on my face when you finally picked those? Yeah, up? and that's what I, to be honest, I really wanted these, and then and I, I paid for them. And then after you said that, I thought, "Oh, I probably shouldn't get these now, right?" Even though I want them, Carrie just said that to not get them. But I I went ahead and pulled the trigger anyway. You know, Joe, uh, Carrie, you were talking about Joe wearing those when he's around you. That would fit because that's what we do with Lainey. Like when she's going to see a particular grandparent, that gave we get an outfit clothes, that, yeah. that that grandparent bought. You know, that that's that's the way that goes. It's amazing how Joe's life parallels little girls. <laughs> L- Lainey and Joe, I, I didn't mean to set no. that up, but boy, that's that's tough. Lainey and I could get along great. <laughs> 
I would love to hang out with Lady. We could watch Zootopia. We could watch Finding Dory. We'd have a great time. I have She's more down. in this podcast, but I do not want uh, Sooner Red Zone to complain about our, our podcast lane. being too long. So, Get over it. He kind of got destroyed over that opinion on the board. That's the only time I've read that. Everybody else is like two hours, like push it longer. And I'm like, man, I, I think you guys would get sick of us. I'm sick of me, so well, I, I, I just figure people don't need to listen to me. Well, we go through phases. We get a little loopy at this point. Like, when we're wrapping up right now, the conversation gets a little more... I literally had more hardcore content planned, but, you know, we need to wrap this up. So. You know, one thing that I did find just extremely... Like, it blew me away when I read this in the notes pack this week. OU's going to Lubbock to try and go 4-0 in the Big 12 for the first time since not, 2004. Really? Yeah, it's that not just, like... That was wow. insane to me. That is That's insane. A great stat. That is. Joe just got another boner. I do, I'm at <laughs> half chub right now. Okay, someday I'm gonna. Get someday I'm now. gonna reach over and feel it. it just <laughs> make sure that you're not lying. Like a diamond in a ice storm. <laughs> okay. Line what a way. Crossed. What a way to wrap up the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I I have no words. Uh, I'm no trying. one's listening this long anyway. Well, sooner Red Zone well, Red gave Zone. up a long Red time Zone ago. Red Zone didn't hear it. Here we go. Josh, just be quiet for a second. We've covered a lot of ground, shared a few laughs. Thanks for coming on. In honor of the Cubs, uh, may you win it tonight. And, we can't uh, win anything tonight. We'll just win it tonight and then go the back game. home, you know, up a game. You're going to have to keep me updated to Saturday night. Because I'm not driving your ass around. Well, wait, Saturday? They what time does it start? 7 o'clock. God. That's terrible. Scoop HD is Do you gonna... want the iPad down on the sideline? <laughs> to hook it like in front of my face somehow. Yeah. I'll just have to listen to Pat Hughes and, uh, and Coom, Ron Coomer on the uh, Cubs radio network. Six seven eight sounds score. is going to be horrible this week. Hey, just score a lot in the first half and you won't have to see, worry about it. I can just see Dede Westbrook running in a touchdown, Eddie tracking him nicely, and then just seeing the camera start shaking. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that might happen. Terry, and he's facing Kershaw that night. Like, that's... There's a good chance Eddie's chucking that camera. I'm more worried about getting home Sunday night for probably Game Seven. We are staying in Lubbock. I got us. A, I switched oh, our nice. hotel, so we're staying in oh, Lubbock the whole time. Uh, well, we're driving. We're driving down Saturday morning. Oh, okay, cool. So, I'll but work. that'll make it easier. Yeah, that'll work. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for the podcast, guys. I had a lot of fun this week. It was uh, it's very enjoyable. It was a good podcast. Josh, thanks to you. Uh, I'll let you go pick up Laney and. Uh, let her do her Joe-like things for the rest of the day. Thanks to Eddie and Joe here in studio. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time on the Unofficial 40 Podcast. Go check us out on iTunes, Google Play. Give us some five stars. We need more five. We love the five stars. So go give us a rating if you don't mind. We'll see you guys next time, next week, after the Sooners finish up with Texas Tech.